welcome to the SIS Off the Charts Football Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Manichirian, and with me is the R&D Jamboree, Alex Victorman, James Weaver, and Bryce Rossler. Hey, you're not me. That was pretty good. Yeah, that was better than I would do it. Let's go right into it. We got the Jamboree here. We got Justin Stein, our producer with us as always. I don't know how you missed that one, Bryce. Oh, but, I did um, miss Justin. I, I messed up again. Welcome back. Off the Charts, we are here. We are doing Scouts versus stats once again and today we are talking about offensive tackle so i don't know about you guys but i actually think that the nerds might have a good chance this week after just getting demolished last week i feel like we might have something in store here from the statistical side alex am i on to am i on to something do i sense confidence emanating from you you should never expect me to be exuding confidence but what i will say is for these kinds of positions that are less flashy we watch them less sort of intently typically during games you see their performance much more like plainly in front of you often or not like that and so whatever whatever statistical profile we can generate for those players is likely to capture something that you're not capturing while just watching games now we don't have as much detail on offensive linemen as we do for other positions that's something that we're looking to improve upon but it will theoretically get you know nice nice large sample of plays and and we should be able to measure some stuff that you might not notice on your own interesting sounds super nerdy i feel more confident about how we're looking bryce you feel the same way after that answer yeah absolutely alex is hedging as always i'm not the director of marketing okay no but you are you are a director. The problem is you can't you can't say Hedgerman because while that may be like accurate, it suggests that my last name is pronounced that way, which I get enough on, on my own. So. <laughs> Fair enough. We are going to jump in. We're going to be talking about offensive tackles today. So run blocking, pass blocking, all the lovely things that we ask these players to do. Bryce and I put together the scouting list. I'm not super satisfied with it, but we'll see how it plays out. And James and Alex as they do have put together the the nerd list. So from the statistician side of things, anything methodologically you want to quickly brief us on? Sure. So the methodology is basically the same as last week, where we're taking a bunch of season-level metrics, aggregating over three years, weighting the most recent year as the most valuable, For this, we're using a Z-score, which is basically a measure of how far a number is from the average in terms of of standard deviations. And so we're going to take a bunch of these measures and take Z-scores for each of those measures and then calculate a weighted average where we're assigning weights based on what we think is the most important. So the stats that we're including in this case, because of the way that we've incorporated a lot of the stuff that we do into total points we are including total points as like almost everything where it's a little bit weighted towards pass block total points relative to run block total points. But the combination of them is like 85% of the the total metrics. And the other two pieces that we have included here are holding penalties, which is something that we do not currently incorporate within total points. And we're also having a little bit of, of a variable in there for versatility, which we admit like might not be the best way of thinking about the question because obviously if you're like an awesome left tackle, you're just going to play left tackle all the time. But there is something to be said for a player who can flex to multiple positions. We wanted to give, that's that's our smallest weight, but there is a little bit of benefit to basically playing some mix of positions. That makes sense. Bryce, in putting together our list, I would say like, I'm not even sure like there's really a player that I feel super comfortable calling like a true blue chipper, especially amongst the left tackles. So we'll get there when we get to the top of the list. But it's interesting you talk about versatility, Alex, because when I think about high-end tackles, I think that if you're a high-end tackle, it doesn't matter if you're versatile at all. You're going to play tackle, and that's going to be that. But when you start to talk about players that, that do have some imperfections, then all of a sudden, I think versatility becomes something that's really important to consider. So maybe towards the bottom of the top 10, but maybe before that, because like I said, I'm, I don't think... I don't think this is like the strongest left tackle position, right tackle position we've seen in the NFL in the last several years. I think it's like sort of thin right now when we look at it. Exactly to your point, like we are ranking every player 
that qualifies. And so, yeah, that you're probably right that the distinguishing factors are more in the sort of meat of the distribution in terms of vis- versatility. And to that point, like we don't have anybody who's ranked better than like 68th in this versatility score showing up in our top 10. So Jalen Waddle's not in the uh, versatility top 10? No. All right, different list, different list. All right, cool. Since we won last week, you guys can have the uh, first pick this week. I think that's only fair. So we just want to give us your number 10 offensive tackle by the statistics? Sure. We We should probably first lay out the the ground rules in, in case there are first time listeners for for what the format is lay them out i mean you already took the intro i'm i mean i i feel like i'm not paid enough to do this but okay sure so the rules are we go in snake order if either team has a player who is ranked higher on the list he will not be talked about until we get to that point if he's the same rank or he's not on the list, either team is free to talk about the player at hand. Otherwise, they have to wait. And I will violate this rule at least once during today's episode. Without further ado, number 10 on the stats list. 10. So in terms of order of operations here, I'll be doing the bottom five. James will be doing the top five like we did, I think, the first time we did one of these lists. So number 10 on our list is the right tackle for the Indianapolis Colts, Braden Smith. We can talk about him. He was our first guy out really and i don't know if we super like ranked the the guys out but he was like basically 11 on our list all right so that's pretty good and and obviously you know the colts have had a lot of talk about offensive line players over the last handful of years smith maybe not quite as much as the quentin nelson's of the world but finished third among tackles in total points last year and top 10 in both pass blocking and run blocking last year so that really contributes a lot these are the the two metrics that matter the most and in, in general and and certainly within our metric and also is the most recent season so that really the conversation can kind of start and end there in terms of him being uh relatively qualified i will say in terms of the three-year weighted average his pass blocking ends up being top 10 and run blocking drops into the 25th range so that's definitely more where his his bread is buttered but that's where the league's bread is buttered Maybe not necessarily the the Colts, the Colts offense. Yeah, I think that's interesting. So I both agree with you and disagree with you in terms of this. So I think broadly, a lot of players on the list, I don't think there are like a ton of elite left tackles in the NFL right now. I think there are a lot of really good right tackles and Braden Smith is one of them. He's a really, really good right tackle. And so the way that I think of him and the way that I, I sort of identify him as a right tackle is he's a little bit more of a, a run blocker than a pure pass protection guy who's just going to be able to play left tackle for 60 dropbacks and and be just fine out there alone. I find that what he does is a great fit for the Colts because a lot of what their offense is is predicated, or what their offense has been, I should say, has been predicated on the run game and on sort of getting that downhill action. And then it makes all the pass protection responsibilities that much easier when you're doing that. All, all that said, I think it is interesting that over the course of his career, he's been a pretty good pass blocker, especially over the last three years, really, when he's been healthy, at least in there. And this goes back to the counterpoint to myself that I'll make, which is you can't just have a left tackle or right tackle. You really need to have two tackles on your team in the modern NFL. And so he's just like a great example of one of these guys that is a good right tackle. I don't think you'd ideally want to function with him as your left tackle. I could be wrong there, but I think he kind of ends up fitting in pretty well because he can do enough to play tackle, just not enough to be that ideal, like I said, 60 drop back left tackle. Bryce, do you see that similarly? Yeah, I think we're on the same page here. I, the only thing I really have to add is maybe a bit of a hot take, but I would say that he's the best player on the Ooh, hot take indeed. I, I'm In the last couple of years, I don't think that's unreasonable to say. Like right now, I don't think that's unreasonable. I think for the last six years or whatever, I would have disagreed with you. But right now, that's that's a reasonable take. One thing I will give him a little bit of credit for is having had a little bit of a cameo at right guard this year. So in terms of that versatility bit, to whatever extent a handful of snaps matters, he does dabble at other positions. Yeah, I'd be more comfortable with him moving inside than I would be with him playing left tackle personally, which is sort of why I'm not sure if I agree with, with Bryce's larger take. But let's keep it moving. Bryce, I don't like our number 10 on our list at all. You can you can explain to the people why you wanted him there. 
Okay. Well, we'll see if I can explain. Uh, they might. Oh, that's have true. Him higher. We've got Teron Armstead. We do not have. We we do not yeah, have him. Austin. He doesn't qualify. He doesn't play enough snaps. Where's the greatest ability? Availability, Bryce. He played 13 games last year, or something like 13. He played a decent bit for Miami last year. He's still good. Yeah. Like how many times I, in his career has he played an entire season? Maybe never. I'm pretty sure it's never a clock. I mean, the, the availability is a fair concern. I initially, when we were sort of drafting our short list, I was like, I don't know if Armstead's going to end up on here. But the more I looked through the names, I I think I would still rather have him. He's he's not young anymore. He's he's in his 30s, but he's still playing at a really good level when he is on the field. The injuries obviously have haunted him basically his entire career, but I think the on-field performance, the difference between that and like the next group of guys is is a large enough gap that I would prefer to have him over the guys that we would have had in like our 10 to 15 or our 11 to 15 range or whatever. Yeah. And I mean, I, even if I think I'm only going to get him for, you know, nine, 10 games a season, I have a really hard time managing, you know, considering it. I, this is a big, going back to my point about left tackles and right tackles, Braden Smith's a better right tackle than, than Perrin Armstead is a left tackle, but left tackle is more valuable position. It's a more difficult job. And if you told me I could have either of these guys, I'm a lot more excited about the prospect of having Taryn Armstead on the field because of the way he changes things. I don't know. Stats guys, where where do you guys come down? So, yeah, I mean, the in a different, I guess, result to what we had in previous lists, because we leaned so heavily into the total points numbers, we do care more about volume this time around than we have in the past. But from a total points perspective, if even if you go back as far as as we have total points for, like he hasn't ranked outside of the top twenty among tackles in total points per snap. And, but the problem is the snaps. So yeah, the, to to that point, like that's a tough thing to balance, and obviously has dropped off in recent years in terms of availability. But also was only nineteenth per snap this past year. So. Again, I guess this goes back to the, the whole thing of being like an armchair GM. It's it's very easy for me to say, you know, I would rather have this guy when my job's not on the line if if he's missing half the season due to a peck or whatever he's been struggling with recently. But I, I think the on-field ability is still way up there. And if we were going solely off on-field ability, I would, I would maybe even have him higher. But again, very easy for me to make these claims and in my position. I'll, uh, I'll also throw some stats out there for you. Now, this is all this is all going to be fire beware because on-off splits about Terran Armstead from 2022 are also sort of on-off splits from Tua Tagovailoa. So there's going to be some stark contrast there just because those guys, a lot of the time that they missed was overlapping. But I mean, the in, if you look at like the difference in EPA per play, it's, it's 0.42 EPA per play per pass when Armstead was on versus off of the field this year. 25 EPA over 60 plays on offense in a game like that's that's pretty crazy and it's not just that Tua was out because there was time in there with that Tua played like Tua's stats himself are different when he played with and without Armstead and then if you just like look at the whole offensive line like even in the run in the run game the Dolphins blew 12 percent of run snap blocks with Armstead in the game 20 percent with him out of the game so it's not just a Tua thing there there was the shape of the team totally changed when, when Armstead and Tua were out together. I don't want to just make that. I think a lot of people made that into a thing last year where it was only Tua being out. That was like the big deal with the Dolphins. But it, I think it coincided with the time that Armstead missed. So it's even more an example of how he's a good player, but I just can't trust him to be on the field. You tell him I'm frustrated by this guy. All right, let me get to somebody that I want to talk about more. We'll see if I can talk about it. What a downer. <laughs> Number nine on our list. Taylor Moten. We will talk about him later. Ooh, spicy. That's exciting to me. Yeah. You know, I spent my weekend in North Carolina last week, so I was studying up on him. Naturally. All right, let's go to number nine on the nerd side. Our number nine is our first left tackle, and we will talk about the left tackle, right tackle split as we go through here. But our first left tackle is the left tackle for the Atlanta Falcons, Jake Matthews. Go ahead. We could talk about him. 
Oh, all right. We got some spicy takes. I can feel it. Yeah. So from a productivity perspective, he ends up ranked top 15 in both pass blocking and run blocking, but not in the top 10. So like in that range, exactly the range where you would expect a player to rank sort of in the back end of the top 10 being pretty good in both elements. A lot of this is a volume thing. Like he has one of the higher snap counts of the players that are in our top 10. And it's, I think, a little bit notable that, I mean, if, for example, if we compare to Braden Smith, who we had number 10, the rate at which Matthews gets run behind in the run game is substantially higher. Uh, mm. Like, f- was 42% last year. For Braden Smith, it was like 26%. So just being like a more central part of the running game is part of the factor here, certainly in the way that we like evaluate blocking. And there will be some interesting players as we go along here as well that have some some kind of funky trends in terms of how 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 the offense uses them in the run game. Yeah, I think Jake Matthews is almost like the anti Armstead. He plays all the time. He like doesn't miss snaps. He's pretty unremarkable. Better in the run game than the pass game, I think. Like he will. He's not like a perfect left tackle. Like he's he's just good enough to play every game and and kind of be in there. So. I, maybe I should maybe maybe I shouldn't have snapped so hard when you guys mentioned him on your list. He just doesn't have a lot that excites me. I guess is is where I end up with it. Yeah, on a on a per snap basis, has not like of the three years that we're talking about. If we take just like total total points, has not ranked inside the top fifteen in any individual season. So yeah, in that sense, on a, on a per snap basis, like it is it is to some extent an availability thing. But teams can collapse really quickly once you don't have that availability. Bryce, crush him. Go. I don't. I don't really have. I don't. I don't want to crush him. Like he's he's a solid player. I agree with the assessment of being a better run blocker than a pass blocker. He Matthews to me is like the the epitome of the old scouting trope that like this guy's going to be a ten year NFL vet. He's a solid starter. I think he's probably a little bit over the hill. I could three two three years ago I could have maybe made a case for him top ten maybe. But he's he's getting older, I think, and I just I don't know. I'm I'm not super inspired. Yeah, when I take a peek at our numbers, it looks like 2018 season was was his best year. Was that his? He made a Pro Bowl one year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, pretty consistent, steady, steady performer overall over the years. Yeah, he made a Pro Bowl in 2018. I wouldn't be surprised if we have similar types of conversations as we as we go through in terms of the like this guy's this guy's pretty good and he plays a bunch so. Honestly, when it, when we when we looked at the list attack, like I, we, so far we've we've said we had Taron Armstead and Taylor Moten on our side. Like we haven't. A lot of these guys are not guys that are super exciting players. I think I've learned through this exercise that like I think I always knew like just finding guys that can play tackles really important. And I've also known that like it's been harder to find tackles that are ready to play coming out of college. Just the way the way that the game has developed right now, people don't get as much practice time and all that kind of stuff. But it yeah, I like is. It's not a super high-end group of tackles in the NFL right now. All right, number eight, stats. Yeah, so our number eight is we're going back to the right tackle. Well, right tackle for the Vikings, Brian O'Neill. Mm-hmm. We, we, we didn't talk about him. I've never talked about him with anybody. Yeah, so I'm not surprised to hear that. He has been playing for the Vikings for years now, so congrats to him. I mean, not that this is a, a huge thing, but relative to the players we've already talked about, like no holding penalties last year, won the year before. That's pretty good. Really much more of a successful pass blocker than run blocker. That's really what is moving the needle here. The, our, our weighted average pass blocking total points had him third over the last three years in the run blocking game 45th. So one of the among the top 10 players we have here, one of the the less successful run blockers and one of the better pass blockers which, you know, contributes to a passing offense that can be dangerous if not torpedoed by Kirk Cousins. So, yeah. And, and also, uh, in terms of total snaps, he's right near the top among the... There's a couple guys who are, who are at the top of our list that have more snaps over the last few years, but, but definitely is an availability guy. The physical profile kind of tracks, right? Like, he, he's a really, really good athlete, but he's also, like, one of those... He, he's really tall, so it's kind of hard for him to get leverage in the run game. 
yeah, he. It doesn't surprise me that he ranks highly in pass blocking. I wouldn't have guessed he ranks that highly, but he looks he looks really fluid and smooth in space. Yeah. So take what I said about left tackle and right tackle archetypes and throw it on its head, and come out with a Brian O'Neill, shocking everybody, shocking the world at number eight on the nerd list. Maybe an undervalued player there. Our number eight is not quite as anonymous. Bryce, you want this one? No, you you love him so much, you can introduce him. Another guy that I find to be fine, Ryan Ramchek of the New Orleans Saints. Are we going to talk about him? We will talk about him in, in a second. I'm guessing at number seven. Yeah. All right, we'll wait for him. Number seven on the jock list. Bryce, this is all you. Panay Sewell, right tackle for the Detroit. Let's go. Okay, we just entered. We just went up in a tier. We are in tier three. We went from tier four to tier three on our list. We went to Tanae Stool. Let's go. Now we, now we like those players. There's like a little bit of excitement now. Yeah, there was really not much excitement before. Yeah, well, get excited for him to not be on our list. Uh, not on your list. Actually, that, no that, that doesn't surprise me. He didn't, I, if I recall correctly, he did not have a great rookie season by total points. That is, that. so that's part of it. And also, the he is 12th. So like very close there. And and honestly, even the, the guy in front of him had just like way lower sample. So like you could argue that he was 11th. So yeah, right right on the outside looking. Yep. Sewell is a freak. Very big, fast, strong. I think he took a huge leap this past year for the Lions. The start of his rookie year was a little bit of a learning curve for him. I think he really came on in his at the end of his first year. And in 2022, he was just awesome. Can make every block you want him to in the run game. They, if you've watched the Lions, you'll see them do all the crazy stuff with the the pulls. Like they'll pull him, get him out in space as a pass protector. He is very smooth, uses his hands really well, really strong anchor, especially for a guy as athletic as he is. I would expect him to be a perennial pro, pro bowler year three onwards. Super excited to have him on the Lions, even though I want them to take Justin Fields instead the year he came out. But we're going to talk about that. Yeah, I'm with you. I think the, the, the key thing with Sewell is just how good a run blocker he is. Uh, he's got the ability to be as, as good as anybody. Like, I don't want to like spoil too many names from later in the list, but like a Lane Johnson type of dominant run blocker. I think that's that's sort of what his superpower is on the field. Like, like his, as, his athleticism as a, as a rope grader is unbelievable. I think that some of the experiment at left tackle during his career did not look good. Maybe that was learning curve stuff. Maybe that was just not as good a fit out there. I don't think so far we've seen his elite strength and athleticism translate into being like a total lockdown pass blocker yet, but I don't think he he's ever going to need to be. I think he can be an elite, elite right tackle by being a dominant run blocker and then complementing that with what he does in the pass game. Yeah. And, and in terms of dings, the holding penalties is probably the thing that got him out of the top 10 in terms of just falling outside there. 10 in the first two years, in terms of the the weighted average we had, he was in like the bottom 15 or so. So yeah, that's definitely a little bit of a, of a ding for him. But the numbers definitely support the idea of him being a little bit imbalanced in skill set, more of a, of a road grader in the running game than really stout pass blocker. But was... Let's see. From a uh, per in terms of total total points in 2022, ranked in the top 15 in both pass blocking and run blocking. Not bad. Ascending player, Pro Bowl year three. Let's go. All right, we got to the good part of our list. I think we know who number seven is on your list. What you do the honors? You don't know me, but yes, Ryan Ramchick, right tackle for the New Orleans Saints. So, I, I mean, you guys. Well, I guess we'll we'll talk about him from our perspective first, since we have him slightly higher. 10th in pass block total points, 15th in run block total points was pretty good in terms of avoiding holding penalties. And again, these are the sorts of players that you expect to see towards the top here. Not too much to say about him. A little bit lower volume relative to some of the players we've already talked about here. Missed some time in 2021, but has been a pretty solid player for a good while here. Yeah, again, you talk about Ranchick, you're talking about somebody who's like really, really solid. He's really in that in that camp of players. Not somebody who I think the defense highlights and says, you know, we need to figure out how that, you know, how to prevent this guy from beating us, <laughs> sort of thing. Uh, and that's not what we're talking about here. 
think if you did move him over to left tackle, you might see him a little bit more exposed, but I will credit him for having some position flexibility that he's shown throughout his career. But really, this is a player who I think he's just like a pretty good pass blocker, a pretty good run blocker, has been fairly available throughout his career, with the exception of that time missed in 2021. Nothing that gets you super excited. Maybe Mickey Loomis will try to put him in the Hall of Fame the same way he did with Cam Jordan the other day. But I don't think that's what we're talking about here. I think we're talking about a a very good starter, you know, a a guy that would be like in the 6.8 range on our grading scale. I don't know. I think he's a little better than you give him credit for because he, he like, you know, I'm a big Brian Burns guy and he plays Burns a couple times a year. Like he looks really good against Burns. He had like, he looked good against uh, Max Crosby this past year, which I can't remember what we had him ranked in our edge rusher, but I think we all agree he's a really, really good edge rusher. The performance against some of the better players in the league is pretty compelling to me. You know, yeah, if, even if we don't think he's like a a blue chipper, like he's like if you're a guy who can go out and hold your own against the best edge rushers in the league, even if you don't dominate them, uh, like maybe some of the guys at the top of our list would. That I think that's still yeah. I want my grade to reflect that I think he's about the eighth best tackle in the league. I think I think he's pretty good. I just don't think he's he's in the blue chip conversation. I think he's one tier below that. But you'd be very ha- you're very happy to have him as a starter on your football team. You just didn't sound very enthusiastic. I didn't like Sorry, it. I should have sounded more enthusiastic. But 68's a good grade. You know that. All right. We on to, what is this, R, R6? Yes. Number six for the Team Ryan. We have a run on Ryan's on your side. We have another one. No, we do not have another one. But this could cause you to spit out your water ice or throw your hoagie on the ground. We have Lane Johnson. So- That's atrocious. That's absolutely yeah. atrocious, and we'll talk. I about I know we'll I know there. I know we'll talk about him, and and we'll talk about why if we had done more like inappropriate science where we look at the results and adjust our model to fit our results, we probably would have rejiggered some things. But being top six seems almost it's it's not as it's not as bad as the Jamar Chase conversation in terms of being like totally different from what you would anticipate. But yeah, it's totally reasonable. I'm not offended by it. If he was, I'm offended. We can talk about Brian O'Neill. We'll talk about it. Yeah, yeah. All right. Coming back over number six on the scout side, I mentioned that we had that that tier three started with Panay Sewell and it finishes with his draft mate Rashawn Slater. We got Slater a notch ahead of Sewell right now, but I think they're both in the same conversation, even though we're talking about very different players. Slater came out with the reputation of a technician consistent down oh okay fine i did it i did it are we talking about rashawn slater yeah keep going i just want to yeah he's no it's good that you pointed it out yeah there's so so visual medium here (laughs) we so james does a very nice job of setting up the the spreadsheet that we use to to talk about this stuff and he highlights all the players that that he expects to be points of contention and basically all of them are within like the 11 to 25 range so he's in that collection of players that seems fair where does he where does he end up ranking so he Over ends up there. being <laughs> yeah he ends up being t- well well we're it's a little biased because we have some uh, retired players who are in our list but just just in the top 20 the 2025 range gotcha like i was saying i think he came out with the the reputation as more of a technician maybe potentially less upside but all he's been is a really good left tackle a little bit of injury time missed i believe last year which I might cost him some space on your list, I would think. But a player that I think is a is a lockdown left tackle in the NFL at this point. Who, as long as he's healthy, he's somebody that you know, similar to what what uh, Ramchick is to the right side. I think he is to the left side. He, the thing that impresses me the most when I watch Slater is like how much control he plays with. Like he's very balanced. His hand usage is really good. Like he just. Rep in and rep out. He he always seems to be in control of the rep. His hands are always where they're supposed to be. He doesn't have any wasted movements. His lower body or his upper body, really good at winning leverage. I know that he was criticized coming out of college for maybe being short, but it's worked out perfectly fine in the NFL. Just a, like, like Matt said, a, a technician and a really fun player to watch as a pass protector. That ability to be in control that he plays with, I think it really does speak to how good an athlete he is and how strong he is. 
because that sort of ease that he plays with, it's difficult to do if you're trying to compensate for not being strong enough or you're trying to keep up with these super fast edge guys. But yeah, I, I think you said that really well, Bryce. To the point of playing time, missed most of the season last year. So yeah, he, at least what? How much? How many games did he end up playing in? Just a handful, three. right? Yeah, three. Okay. So, and and of course, from from the statistical perspective, that's going to ding him a lot because we will give you, we will ding you for playing some in a year and not a whole year, but we will not ding you for missing an entire season. So that is a limitation of the way that we're doing things here. And but, despite all that, he's still in the twenties. There, I think that speaks to how yeah. good his rookie season was. Yeah, in terms of of he's an all pro rookie season. Yeah, I mean ranking he's, all pro. He's still in the top ten in pass blocking, despite having a season in which he's basically counting like a fifth of a season. In twenty twenty one, he was run behind forty six percent of the time. This isn't That's a team good. that was. This isn't a team that was like running the ball every play exactly. That's pretty interesting. All right, let's keep it moving and let's go to. I think number five on our list, right, Bryce? Yep. All right, we're tearing up again, and this has got to be the biggest ascender on our list. He would not have been this high not too long ago. You can take it from here, Bryce. We have Andrew Thomas of the New York Football Giants. Did he did he undo enough of the, the bad in order to get himself on your guys' list? Did not, but is in that same range. Is slightly higher than Slater, but again, very much in the same sort of bundle of players. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me because he's been pretty good for two years now, but his first season, that 2020 season, yeah, 40 blown blocks, like it was it was a rough time out there. I just think he's he's totally turned it around. He went from looking like he was going to be a bust. He went from looking like he was overmatched on the NFL level. He got an offseason under his belt, and he's been excellent. And especially in 2022, I think him being up here at number five on our list is really like now we're starting to talk about these players that are like part of the reason why you win games. And and I think Andrew Thomas is is kind of the beginning of that tier in terms of the way that he's played right now. His rookie year was really, really bad. The turnaround has been incredible, though. The amount of power that he plays with is probably top three in the league. Really a guy who's able to impose his will in the run game or the pass game with his play strength. Not the greatest athlete but we're not talking about like an orlando brown where he's a liability as an athlete he's he's able to make really good use of his of his power and i wouldn't have realized i'm looking now he was number one amongst left tackles in total points last year yeah i mean he's really he's really good which again is a huge turnaround because the rookie year was atrocious and no holds last year pretty pretty remarkable that's all that's that's impressive for a guy who's like as brutish as he is yeah. Right. Like you would you would expect a guy who's thought of as a mauler to have some holding penalties here and there. I think anybody that plays a thousand snaps is going to have a holding penalty on like a bad call. Like it's it's unbelievable. If they can see the same sort of development on on the right tackle as they've seen with Andrew Thomas, that would that would certainly be a nice twist for the Giants. In terms of the improvement, like on a total points per snap basis. In his rookie year, he was 71st among tackles, and Man. he's been 14th, 14th and 10th the next two years. So, Yeah. Well, hopefully hopefully Evan Neal, like I was saying, has that same sort of trajectory because they could be the best two tackles in the league, but right now, Evan Neal is only a better than, than Andrew Thomas was as a rookie. So we'll see how he, if he can make that same jump in year two. All right. Moving on to number five on the stat list. What do you guys have? So I'm going to take a guess and probably say that we will be able to be, we will be able to talk about this player. And that is the right tackle for the Los Angeles Rams, Rob Havenstein. Yeah. yeah I don't want to talk ahead. about him, but yeah, we can. Matt, I just saw your face and cracked up. What happened <laughs> with Havenstein was in 2020. So we our averages go back three years in 2020. He led tackles in total points. In 2021, he was 12th in total points. And then this past year, he was 20th. So slight decline down the list. Overall, in our average rankings, he was 21st in pass block points. He was third in run block points. So that's what's gotten him up to propel into our top five. And then the last two are pretty bad, but 131st in holds and 129th in versatility. He's just been the classic, as discussed earlier, been consistently able to play over the last three seasons and played all 17 games last year. He's just been... A, the staple on the other side of Whitworth for so long on the Rams, and 
yeah, has found a way to manage himself into our top five. Where did you guys have Whitworth? Alex mentioned that you guys had some retired players on your list. So where's Whitworth? He was eighth. That's no. Availability. Way better than Havenstein. It all came down to availability, basically, with this one. Well, he remains available to go on anybody's list who wants him. He's not on mine. I got nothing to say there. Solid solid starter is what it is. Cool. On to number four is a player that you had mentioned earlier in Taylor Moten. Ah, Here we go. Here we go. He was fifth in pass blocking, 24th in run blocking, 76th in holds, and 89th in versatility. And had a really another solid year last year. Was top 10 in total points overall. He was 10th in pass blocking total points and 13th in run blocking total points. So another solid year for the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, this is a player that I think is a legitimate building block. I like him, you know, towards the bottom of the top 10 on the list. Again, I see him as an ascending guy as well, more than I see him, you know, up up in this sort of echelon. But it wouldn't shock me if he keeps performing like he has, you know, like the last couple of years, if we could see somebody that we start talking about even more and more in this conversation. Bryce, you talked about Andrew Thomas being a, a mauler. I think Taylor Moten is like one of the dudes who I least want to take on on like just a down block amongst anybody in the NFL. He's just, yeah, brutish in, in his strength there. Again, the guy probably don't want ideally on the left side. So hopefully they'll be able to, to keep him over on the right side as they have. But between the strength, I'm a little surprised the run blocking metrics aren't better because I think he's a pretty balanced player from a pass game and the run game perspective. But, but I think he is, yeah, just brutally strong. I do have an explanation for that. He was, so I'll give you the rate at which he was run behind by season starting in 2018. 36%, 39%, 32%, 38%, 20%. So That's a big drop off. Yeah. So in 2022, they really changed the way that they evaluate running behind him, which was kind of interesting. And he ended up with more run blocking total points than any of those seasons in 2022. So he did so on basically like whatever, 50% of the snaps or 50% of the like action plays where the play is going behind you. That's pretty interesting. In case anybody thinks that's a reflection on Christian McCaffrey likes to run behind him and then other guys don't, that's not what's going on there. Run behind is actually the, the, based on the play design. So when we talk about that, so that's, that would be a plausible explanation, but, but we'll mark that off the list. Sort of interesting there when my perception of the player doesn't necessarily match the, the total points breakdown there. I can't believe that it was as low as just 20% run behind this year. Not to say that I was super laser focused in on watching the uh, Panthers offense last year. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it seems pretty clear that like from a traits and and per play success perspective, he definitely lives up to the to that sort of expectation. It's just that the, for whatever reason, the offense wasn't running through him as it has in in previous years. All right. Well, the state of North Carolina will be excited that he's number four on the nerd list. This is back over to us, Bryce. Yes. Okay, an interesting name. I think we're not going to talk about him. Laramie Tunsil. Go ahead. Wow, Laramie Tunsil did not make the cut for you guys, huh? You would rather have Rob Havenstein or Laramie Tunsil. Yeah, what are we doing here? Yep, every day. <laughs> we we gotta we gotta check that check that. That's absolutely brutal. Yeah, Laramie Tunsil. We all know the story. It's hard to believe how long he's been in the NFL now. Had a pre-draft incident that resulted in him dropping a little bit. Then the Dolphins got a steal, ended up trading him for 16 million first round picks that I think ended up being like Waddle and Tua. The Texans for a minute were a broken shell of an organization with basically just Laramie Tunsil left on their squad. Now they're in the full rebuild mode and he's still kind of hanging out there just being consistent old Laramie Tunsil despite playing on some crap, crap teams. What more can we say? I don't know. The Tunsil to me is is a blue chipper, for sure. Still relatively young, can pass block with the best of them. Really good run blocker, strong, athletic, technical. I I don't. I, uh, he's got to be. He's got to be top ten at worst. I mean, we're looking at him at number four. I just don't, I just don't understand how they, they don't have him. I I want I want to hear. Yeah, so that's a good question. How how was that? Because what I see seven things total the Texans last year. Based, um, honestly, he only played five games the previous season. We're coming back. It's, it's availability that that keeps cropping up. Like Alex and James believe in playing, and maybe opposite list of last week, I guess. That's not to say that we 
we don't believe in playing, but every, like he's been we put the best. We put Jaron Armstead on our list. Come on. He's, Why do you love guys who don't play football? I don't understand. <laughs> we we do, he he had like he's missed like one year. And yeah, this is the guy who does not have a history of missing a lot of time. He had he had one season where he missed a lot of time. But besides, I'm looking that, at 94 career games, all starts since 2016. He, he only played five in 2021. Love when we cite games played. That's a We're we talking about availability. I know. Come back, come back at him with some false start stats. Yeah. You know how many false starts Laramie Tunsil's had? You know how many he had in 2019? 11. <laughs> That's a lot of false starts. That's almost one per game. Seven in 2022 as well, in, which, which problem, is actually right? included. included in our... No, Laramie Tunsil's a great player. Bryce, you're right. He's, he's outstanding. I don't, think, I don't think if we uh, hold Alex and James to it that they're going to... Did you guys say where, you, where he ranked? He ranks around the 23rd portion, depending on if you remove our retired players or not. He was sixth in pass blocking total points, so that stacks up well. One of his issues actually was his run blocking total points, where she was 68th. And I'm not so sure if that's a byproduct of him or a byproduct of the Houston Texans. That is almost assuredly a byproduct of the Houston Texans. They're a dumpster fire. He's the only thing they have, or they had. They, it they is, had it is, I mean, it's, it's, I think there's something to be said for how good a total points contributor he'd been. He's been on their team despite how bad a team that they've been, it's harder mm. to get total points at any position when you're on a team that's not producing a lot of value offensively or defensively if you're on that side of the ball. So the quarterback is Davis Mills. The neck. Yeah. That, so that, that, that's that second tier for us was Andrew Thomas and Laramie Tunsil. And that second tier is a, is a nice tier to be in. Although Andrew Thomas certainly still a riser, like we said, Tunsil probably has peaked in terms of his career, but you know, 28 years old, maybe not. Like uh, he's still he's still got some time, just because he joined the league so young. A lot of value there. Okay, are we back to number three on our side? We're into our top tier, Bryce. Who is Lane Johnson, number six on the nerds list? I name dropped him before. Basically, I think that this is an elite elite right tackle. I kind of like him better than the second and first players on our list, but. I think by virtue of being a right tackle and spoiler alert, those guys are left tackles is really why he ended up ranking where he did at the end of the day. Like I mentioned before with Panay Sewell, he is a destructive, destructive run blocker. A lot of what the Eagles do is really built around his ability to dominate people, to be somebody that needs to be accounted for in the run game or else they're going to get six yards per play. And once you start to adjust to that, then the Eagles start to beat you in, in all the different ways that they can attack you. So love this player. I've thought he's been, you know, top right tackle in the league for several years now. Anything to add there, Bryce, before we take it to the nerds? No, I don't think so. I, I do want to emphasize how good of a pass protector he is. I agree with your assessment of his abilities in the run game, but blue chip pass protector as well, I think. Right. Super athletic. We're in the Hall of Fame part of our list right now. I think our top yeah. four guys are all probably Hall of Fame. Yeah, he, everybody knows the story of how he was like a quarterback in high school, just super good athlete. Looks great on an island. You can set him out there against anybody in the league, and he's going to do a phenomenal job in pass protection. And where do you go to school? The University of my alma mater. Statisticians, what can you add to the to the puzzle here? To the point about pass blocking, like he's kept his pass blown block rate under two percent for the last four years, which is pretty pretty awesome. And while yes, his bread is buttered in the run game, that's uh, you know this is why he ends up in. Still in our top 10. Fourth in, in run blocking, 24th in pass blocking. But this is an example of a player who is dinged by not playing as much in 2020 and 2021. So if we had our druthers, I think we would have blended per play performance with volume a little more. You know, he has an anxiety disorder, right? Are you guys being ableist? Uh, oh boy. No. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Nothing like a little concern trolling. Yeah. Okay, Bryce is very happy with himself, so we'll switch back over to the nerd side for number three. At number three, we have Orlando Brown Jr. Ooh, he was somewhere around 20th on our list. He was a name that we knew we should consider that we never really considered for the top 10. So he's just kind of in the word bank there, somewhere around a couple of other tackles. I loved Orlando Brown coming out. I was a big fan of his game. I thought he just has such size and anchor ability. That even though he's not a great athlete, not even a good athlete, he sort of 
overcompensates for that in a lot of ways with just his his brutish sides. It's interesting with him making his moves from being the right tackle to wanting to be the left tackle and then franchising. And now I think he's going to end up, he ended up in Cincinnati. Is that right? Yep. So to see him as, as a top three player, I think you have to leverage him as a right tackle and you have to make him just like a dominant, dominant player in that regard. Hard for me to see him up this high just because he will give up pressures based on just the, his lack of athleticism. Yeah, I would, I would like to have ranked him higher because he's an Oklahoma guy, but I'm, I'm with Matt on this. Like the, the pass protection is, is too much of a concern. And I think this past year in, in Kansas City, like it was, it was bad. I mean, in years past, he hasn't necessarily been a liability in pass protection, but I just, I, I don't rate his pass pro highly enough to have him top 10, unfortunately. Right. As you said that, I just clicked on his stat page and here are his pass blown block totals year by year. Three, seven, 12, 25, 31. That is not a good trend. Ascending block. Play. Ascending player. <laughs> Those are pass blown blocks by season. Going from being like a less than half a blown block per game type player at right tackle to a two blown block per game player at left tackle. Like, uh, I guess he wants his, he wants his legacy. I think that goes to show and add to the potential learning curve there is from right tackle to left tackle, uh, as we mentioned before. And speaking of the, the lucky 31, he ranked 31st in our pass blocking total rankings. So basically a middle of the road starting tackle pass blocking, obviously reasons to be stated before that as to why that might not be or why that might be too high. Obviously, what gets him so high on our list is he was he's the first rated run blocker in total points as a tackle coming from a Ravens offense prior where they would accumulate a lot of a lot of point, a lot of total points in running the football. And then just his way of more of his stylistic play of being a better run blocker. Holds, he was 117th, and his versatility score was 68th, which was the highest in the top 10. And that goes from his movement from right tackle to left tackle. All right, moving forward, we are at the top two. Number two on the stats list, what do we have, Alex and James? So for number two on the stats list, we have who is probably the best tackle in the NFC West, and that would be Kelvin Beecham from the Arizona Cardinals. Do you have him higher than number two? Is this a joke? That was a joke. It was a joke. Uh, Beecham wasn't a joke, but the the thing he said before that was a joke. He's very entertained with his ability to draw silence out of us. I love doing it. It's two for two today so far. Okay, tell me why Beecham is the second best tackle in the league. He must have played the most snaps. He did play a lot of snaps, but he was also consistently high in both of our total points categories. He was seventh in pass blocking, 12th in run blocking. And he was also pretty high in the other two, was being 69th in holds and 87th in versatility. Classic journeyman who's been around for a while, obviously, has played pretty, pretty solidly on both passing and running. All right, I'm going to take I'm taking a peek at the stats because I admittedly can't can't talk about my scouting report on Beecham off the top of my head. I do see in the last three years in Arizona, it looks like he's been a much better player in the run game than the pass game, at least when I look at some lone block totals and that sort of thing. That's weird to me because I think he's a better pass protector than a run block. I mean, that's, I guess that's what they asked career. him to do a lot. Of. Yeah, we, we didn't even have this guy on our shortlist. So I think he he does sort of touch top ten on a per snap basis at times, which I think is pretty relevant for this kind of list when you also mix it with high volume. Like on a per snap basis, he was eleventh among tackles in twenty twenty, eighth in twenty twenty one. I guess he has he does have in the last three years a crazy high number of pass blocking snaps, like period. Six fifty, five fifty, and seven forty. Which you know blocking. on that on that team. Yeah. I, I, I buy that. So like, yeah, I guess in the context of seven hundred thirty nine pass blocking snaps, the twenty blown blocks isn't terrible. But like oof, I think I think that your list is doing a thing here where he's generating more points just because there's more dropbacks or something like that. Julie, because there's more dropbacks. Yeah, so that is one thing that I suppose we would have a hard time accounting for here is like the difference between situation, sort of like uh, health neutral pace, right? Like pace versus just volume, right? Two players who play full seasons, but one player plays for a team that has a lot more offensive snaps. So I guess I buy that. Although in a lot of cases, any kind of volume stat is going to 
have a, a hard time handling that unless you're specifically trying to adjust for pace. So I'm looking at last year, it looks like amongst tackles, he was 13th in, in total points. In pass blocking, he was 8th. Yep. In pass blocking, he was 8th. But then in terms of points above average, he drops down to 14th, which I think lends some support to what I was just saying. Although on a per snap basis, he was 11th the year before. So mm-hmm. like... But he's been consistent. Your yeah. list is, is the consistency mm-hmm. list. He's This is like the all-consistency... The lunch pail list. Yeah. You don't yeah. miss a game, and if you do play, you're not a liability. Gruden's That's how you grinders. make it on your list. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So you guys are just breaking the mold right here. You think the analytics guys are soft. No, you guys are hard-nosed. I mean, we're, we're talking about the big nasties in the trenches. What are, you, what are we... Of course. Okay. A phrase I can't I wait to find out before. which of our top two is not on your list. I hope the answer is not both of them. Bryce, it's back over to us for our number two. I'm not, I'm not as passionate about our number one, so I will announce the number two here. Number two on our list is Tristan Works. Will we talk about him? Nope. Nice. You guys are unbelievable, man. So that means that our number one did not make your list. I will say this. I was not, I don't think this is such a slam dunk number one. Like, I think there's like a perception in the world right now. There's reputationally, like, uh, maybe I haven't watched enough of the guy, but I, I don't see, I don't see this as like an outlier player at this point in his career compared to some of the guys that we've talked about. Bryce, who's our number one? It is Trent Williams. Well, thank God that was the person I was assuming you were going to say, because I was really embarrassed if it wasn't at least the person I was thinking of. Well, it was going to be Beecham, but we realized we couldn't do that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Bryce, gush about him. Y'all talk about he's nobody's ever been stronger than him. He's a impossible. freak. He's an absolute monster. Probably the most athletic guy in space, even in his old age. Extremely strong. Extremely technical. Anchor in the past game. Power in the run game, very very athletic. As I said, I I don't know why Matt doesn't like him that much, but you know what I didn't know about him? He's another member of the never played in a full season club, or at least not in the since not in the SIS era. He's been around a bit longer, but no, uh, and I think it was he missed he sat out an entire year, one year, twenty nineteen, twenty nineteen, yeah, because yeah, the Washington football team fumbled some of his health stuff. But even beyond that, like not playing, you know, not getting to the 16, 17, depending on what year you're talking about threshold among the top players where we are considering volume to be pretty relevant, like that is a big explainer of why he ends up, you know, at 20th or whatever. Oh, brother, these guys. Look at his game logs. 14 games last year, 15 games the year before. 14 games in 2020. But we're talking about the best of the best. It's not good enough yep. to just be good enough. Oh my god. I couldn't see you guys are... we have someone who only plays 14 games on our list. Okay, this is just... This So, okay, so that's a little bit of it. Let's, He's let's a talk monster! A more because it's not like Trent Williams jumps off our leaderboard in terms of the, the statistics for when he did play, showing that he's like this outlier great tackle that, that's above and beyond everybody else. And I think that's going to come in stark contrast to the guy who was number two on our list, Bryce, who I think is going to be number one on their list. It's, it's, there, there's, can we have the conversation about Trent Williams, like maybe having a reputation that goes just a little bit too far in terms of what he is? Two holds last year, but five the years before, year before that, six in 2020. So it's not like he's been perfect in, in that regard. Plays for San Francisco, like, we give we give a lot of like Garoppolo and Brock Purdy. Anybody can do it in that offense. Can we talk about how like playing in San Francisco's offense is really good for him? And it's a great fit. I'm not saying it's not a reciprocal thing. He's a very, very good player. I feel like I'm a hater, but I'm just like, I don't see it. Like a lot of people, I feel like see this guy as leaps and bounds, the best tackle in football. And I just don't see it. Watch him. He is. <laughs> what I will. He's, he's an absolute freak. Yes, an absolute. This is in Haven's theme. I'm the good news guys. is, at least this is. Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> at least this is the scouting person talking about how he's a freak. Look at him. You know, this is at least on brand with you heathens. But he, from a total points perspective, he was third on a per snap basis last year, but has not been higher than 14th any other season. In the passing game, is more successful per snap. Has been in the top five multiple times. So definitely better from a in in the passing game 
And just a little bit of that drop in volume season to season, as opposed, I mean, we're not talking about missing all season that wouldn't have even affected him in our metric, let alone the fact that it was before the, the years that we're talking about. But just missing a couple games each year is enough to ding you relative to some of these guys who are at the top of the top. And is it fair to say if we have it back, we might have we might have rebalanced that a little bit? I think you already said. Yeah, I think it's it's fair to say that we had what, like eighty five percent total points total. We might have done more like fifty percent and thirty five percent with a rate thing to really to basically just not lean super heavily into the volume side of it. And just looking at the on-off report for the snaps that Trent Williams did miss over 2020, the 2011, 2021 and 2022, you do see that the offense was a tick better in both the pass and the run game really overall there, especially when you look at in 2022, much better in the run game with him on the field compared to off, a difference equaling 17 points per game if they, if they ran the ball every play of the game. So decent difference there that, that I think you know, speaks a little bit to his quality. All right, we'll flip to number one on the nerd side. Please tell me it's who I think it is. It is, in fact, Tristan Wirfs. Yep, he ranked first on our pass blocking total points, which was our highest weight. Yeah. Highest weight. Um, he ranked 56th in run blocking total points, um, which could be kind of a product of how much the Bucks run the ball and how their success doesn't match up to it as much. Holds, he was 77th, and his versatility was 113th. Last season, he ranked first in pass blocking total points and was 16th overall. So his run blocking numbers did bring it down a little bit. But yeah, we had him ranked as our highest highest tackle. Also, too, he only played in 13 games last year as well. So surprisingly, we, we do have someone who had less than 14 games played on our list. I thought that wasn't allowed. Yeah, well, we'll make exceptions for the top your, guy. Is your Tristan Wirfs as a pass blocker, it's allowed? When it fits our narrative, yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's another point. guy, another guy with buku pass blocking snaps in the last few years just that like you said james the the bucks just being such a pass heavy team setting records for pass attempts every year it feels like bryce where do you come down i love worse he's he's a great player i don't think there's really any weaknesses in his game he might be a little different from some of the other guys we have who are like elite at one or two things and then good at everything else but he's he's like very good at everything I don't, I don't think you can point to any one facet of his game and say, like, he's a little lackluster here. He's just a very, very complete player. So my question with him is, I, I agree with you. He's like, he's so, you can't poke a hole in him at all, uh, whatever word I'm looking for there. Was there anything that you read into with, you know, Donovan Smith for years and years being their sort of mediocre left tackle and him being stuck there on the right side? Do you guys feel like he benefits from that? Or, like, it seems to me like one of those things where he'll be great 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 as a right tackle and he'd be good as a left tackle and they take that instead of sort of flipping it i don't and i don't buy into that as much as you do honestly like the left tackle right tackle thing i don't think it's as true as it was like five six years ago i think i don't think it's as true as it was five six years ago and i still can't understand why they you would want why wouldn't you want your better tackle on the blind side because the edge defenders get moved around. If they want to put if they want to put their best guy on the blind side, they can do that. Right. That's why they, you need two. So I'm with you. They, you but, they can, it, but if he's on the blind side, they can just move him to the other side. Like you can And you then he's got to rush where the quarterback can see him. So you won you want a, a small battle there. Well, does the fact that this quarterback is Tom Brady affect this conversation? Like in the sense that the degree to which you need to be super concerned about the quarterback's blind side is a different conversation with a guy who uh, made a lot of his bones with pocket awareness and getting the ball out. I think it does change it a little bit. I'm not sure how much. For what it's worth, number one in pass blocking total points among tackles each of the last three years. Part of that is volume, yes, but also was... Number one each of the last three years. Correct. Even with the injuries this past year? Yeah, and on a per-snap basis, top 10 each year. All right, the nerds have spoken. I'm I'm on team nerds. Works number one. I'm on team jocks in terms of get Beecham... Haven Steen and Brian Indiel out of here. Watch, watch Trent Williams. Well, you think I've never watched Trent Williams? Just, just, just take some time and like right, to actually yourself. Is that watch the, like is that one the, or two games and just watch Trent Williams? All right, I'm going to throw on some film. End of last year, I'm going to see how he was playing, and I'm going to send you clips of him looking mediocre. This is the second round quarterback from the Bills. Several years mediocre. Right? <laughs> Four. The hardest team like Jamboree. 
Bryce Rossler, Alex Vigerman, and James Weaver, along with our producer, Justin Stein. I'm Matt Manicharian, and thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Off the Charts Football Podcast. <laughs>